We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters, the professionals with me, Steve Wraith, Stu Penman and Neil Mitchell. Good evening, lads. Good evening, how are you? Pretty good, 90 minutes tonight, uh, as uh, requested. Uh, we will be uh, dissecting Newcastle's 4-4 uh, draw with Luton Town yesterday. We'll be uh, looking in, uh, into uh, the Spygate story uh, a little bit today as well and uh, also taking a few of your questions uh, sure, you will have plenty. Um, just for my opinion on yesterday's game, before I come to Stu, I seriously feel that was a point gained rather than two points lost. I thoroughly enjoyed the game, loved it. Um, that's that's a that was a great Premiership advert, if you like. Um, I think it's disrespectful um, to to start pulling apart Newcastle United. It's disrespectful to, to Luton. Because Luton played their part in a wonderful game of football. I thought Luton were were, were excellent yesterday. Uh, that's two good games I've played against them. And um, yeah, look, they've galvanised themselves after after the Lockyer heart attack situation, which was awful, you know. So fair play to them. Fair play to the fair play to Luton. They came up, they gave it a go, and uh, fair play to Newcastle. Four two down to come back and and get a point. And they could have snatched it at the end. Jacob Murphy. Not managing to do what he'd done, um, you know, down at Villa with uh, that that back post finish, something that Newcastle clearly working on coming in at the back post and finishing. Uh, you know, Murphy not being able to do it, and you know, we could have lost the game as well. So you know, Luton did have another chance, but all in all, great game of football. Um, a point gained rather than two points lost. Yes, you should be beating teams like that. Yes, most of us on this platform thought that we would beat them, especially after the Villa game, but. You know, it, it didn't work out. And a lot of people on social media say, Steve, why why don't you post stuff on Twitter? Why don't you why don't you give your opinion? It would be good to hear your opinion on things. Well, <laughs> the reason being that I wouldn't get anything else done. Uh, I put a tweet out the day in defense of Dan Byrne because he's getting some stick. We always seem to need to have somebody who's going to to be booed or to, for, for fans to get on the back of. Um, you know, Dan Byrne, yeah, look, he's 
he's going through what can only be described as what Trippier went through a few weeks back. You know, everything's coming down his side. You know, he's getting blamed. Two of the goals probably you could say were were his fault. He gave away the penalty, which I'm still not convinced was a penalty. But but all in all, um, he was getting the stick and. There's other players in the team. He was let down on that left-hand side, I think, on, on a couple of occasions by the people who were playing in front of him. Almiron's coming back from illness. Uh, Jacob Murphy, when they switched, um, you know, he's coming back from a severe injury, probably still trying to find match fitness, and he had to play against Villa. So, so all in all, it's not just Dan Burns' fault. Um, legs in the midfield have been an issue for me. Um, you know, there's been there's been a lack of a lack of legs in the midfield at times, and and for me, you know, I I just don't think Dan Burns should got to blame. But 31,000 people have read me tweet. I've had about 186 replies, which I've managed to get through most of them, and most people agree with what I said. But that's why I don't tweet a great deal, of people. Uh, anyway, that's my opinion on the game. Let's get on to the lads. Stu, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, four four. Wonderful game. Uh, great to see the bar, um, uh, the Dubai Mag, sorry, um, in full voice. And uh, you were leading the songs by the sounds of it, uh, Stu. I, I took myself back 20-odd years, 25 years, 30 years, whatever. And I was I was the tune-tune to the whole bar's black and white army. And it normally has three renditions and then dies down. But this went on for about 10 minutes. So that's me croaky voice. And... The bags of WIs is because I've averaged four hours sleep a night for the last seven days. So, pardon me if I, do, if I sound a bit incoherent. So, I thought I would just carry on and ensure that you can drink red, red wine without being an idiot. So, I'll, I'll, I'll do that and I'll be, I'll be sensible. But the game yesterday, uh, me and Mitch watched it, obviously, the Dubai Mags. But because we've got a array of friends across there, it's not all just Newcastle supporters, you know what I mean? You don't just stay with your own. Uh, we had Tottenham fans, West Ham fans, Chelsea fans, Liverpool fans come to watch the game with us because their teams weren't playing at the same time and they loved the atmosphere. Uh, and there was, what, at least 150 Newcastle fans in there yesterday, Mitch? About that, aye. <laughs> it, was, it really was a great atmosphere. Um, and all of them said it was the best game they'd seen this season. And my answer was the same as a neutral it's hard to disagree with you however i'm not a neutral uh, but it was a great advert for the premier league and but for me it highlighted a few things that you've just mentioned there steve it, it did highlight the lack of pace we've got in the field it highlighted our squad depth or lack of squad depth the glaring weaknesses in our start 11 that are being targeted every week now um i don't know Dan Burns had a lot of grief from it. And yes, he's not the fastest, but he was exposed so many times, two on one. And what, you know, I mean, you've got to think, what's he meant to do? It's, it's very easy to like knock the lad. Uh, we all know it's a position that we can improve on come the summer. But you've got to think, like, who's playing in front of him? And he hasn't got Joe Linton there knocking people over and and actually being in a position of strength to stop people thinking, right, we can expose this. The way they played yesterday, they had Lewis Miley, who to me was fantastic going forward, showed he's got the imagination, the inspiration, he's got the vision, he's got the lot. But defensively, he's still a little bit naive, but he's only a Ben. And this, to me, is fell on Dan Byrne. And do I think Dan Byrne should start the games for us going forward or next season probably not 
but he's he gives his all, and only a few days ago he was given man the match, you know. So it, 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 he's an easy target, but it also shows that we're somewhere from being the finished article as a team. Um, we're threadbare in quality, once there's a few injuries. Um, but if we're looking at the positives, it shows that we have a togetherness, which is admirable, because a 4 2 down, we could have just collapsed, and they didn't, they seem to like back each other and rally around each other and say, right, we'll go. We know we're good enough to get this. And I think we're on the right track. Maybe possibly three starters away from being a team that can seriously talent on the top end of the season. It's like when you're playing golf, you, you hit the ball wrong and it could just be the way your knees are, the way your feet are pointing, the way your back is. It just needs tweaking. There's not that much wrong with it. But we do have a lot of, or sorry, a lack of pace in midfield. Um, again, I like to always be positive. This calendar year, since uh, the turn of the year, we've scored 16 goals in six games. And in those games, we played Liverpool away, Aston Villa away, Man City at home. And uh, what was meant to be a really hard derby away. And we've still scored 16 goals in six games with that threadbare squad. So that shows we're not there we're not that far away it will just need to shore up the defense um but i think also i've seen anyhow unquestionably getting or sorry stupidly getting criticism yesterday and today and i purposely kept myself off replying to some of them uh, but you've got to think since he's took the job we've had wins over man city man united a few times um who else will beat arsenal twice We've beat Tottenham. One of them was probably the best 20 minutes most of us have ever seen in our life from a Newcastle United team. We've beat Chelsea a couple of times. We've beat the Mackhams. We've beat PSG. We've been in the Cup final. We're getting spoiled. And now we're actually some of us will behave like spoiled people, which is wrong. And there's so much more to come. And going back to yesterday, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Steve. You've got to give credit to Luton because they've had some big results of late. And... For the first 15, 20 minutes, it looked like one of those games that we were just going to wipe the floor with them. But they stuck to their game plan and they kept going and going and going. And it made for a fantastic game. And I'd rather watch us play a 4-4 than grind up a 1-1 or a 0-0 against the team that's supposedly better than us. And it was end-to-end and that's what football's about. It's about entertainment. Yes, we should be beating Luton because not one of those players on paper would get in our team. But Games not paid on play, it's paid on grass. And I think we should be commending Luton for the effort they made. And I think going forward, we'll still finish high the Luton in the season. I still think we'll get the European places. And if we look at the last three games we've had in the last week, someone says you'll get comfortably at the next round of the FA Cup and you'll get four points from Villa away and Luton at home. And in the process, you'll score seven goals. I don't think many people would have turned that down. It's just the way it's turned out because we beat Villa so comprehensively. We should have done the same with Luton, but we didn't. But that's football. That's why we love it. If it was so predictable, it wouldn't be as exciting as it is. So I'm going to give my voice a rest now and let Dr. Neil speak.
Yeah, and you know, I've seen people saying, you know, agreeing with us to a degree about Burn. Other people saying Burn shouldn't be playing. Tino Livramento should be in the starting lineup, who is a right back, not a left back. But yeah, when he comes on at left back, he does do well. I agree. But people are missing the point that the midfield just aren't aren't, aren't managing to perform uh, to the same abilities without, say, Joe Linton in there. Um, you know, they're missing Joe Linton. Had Joe Linton played yesterday? Would it have been a different game? I think so. I don't think Ross Barkley would have been running through us like a knife through butter. Um, he was given the freedom of St James's Park on numerous occasions, just given a chance to stroll through. Um, and and people again, you know, I saw people you know being quite disrespectful about Barkley, but he was yeah, he didn't get a chance at Chelsea. He was he was a legend at a legend at Everton, did very very well. Went to Chelsea, which seems to be a graveyard for good players. It still is now. Look at their result again today. Um, and Barkley just didn't do it there. Then he's been beset with injuries. Kids, the kids had 33 England caps. He's no mug, and yeah. he proved it. He proved it again yesterday. He had a great game. He was he was probably up there with 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 the best performers on the pitch. Certainly, for, certainly for them. And I did. And there was a battle going on with their centre forward. Their centre forward, who I turned a couple of times to people who I sit with at the match and said, oh, you know what. You know, you think about the money that people talk about spending on Ivan Tony. That kid could do a job as well. You know, wasn't a bad. He's not a bad player. Um, Adi Bayo, not Adi Bayo, but Adi Adi Bayo. He's um, he's not a bad striker. Him, he could be worth looking at. And Luton would be tempted to probably sell him if a big offer came in. He, he could be could be a, the kind of player Newcastle could look at in the future once they get their FFP sorted. But Mitch, yeah, give us your views on the game, mate. Um, frustration. I think you know. I think that's why. Emotions are coming out the way they are. There's been a lot of frustration around Newcastle United and within the fan base. We've talked about it at length for the last few weeks. We're seeing again this almost um, binary Red reaction. Red card for Canardia. Liverpool down to uh, Liverpool down to ten men now. Two yellows. Uh, Klopp gives the thumbs up. Uh, Liverpool still uh, two one down at Arsenal. Uh, sorry, <laughs> now we're seeing again where we're. we're Going back to this binary reaction where it's it's extremes, you know. I think we can say without jumping on a how out or a lumping everything on Dan Burns' shoulders that it's unacceptable to concede four games at home to Luton, four goals at home to Luton. We shouldn't be doing that. I think it's acceptable to say that our defensive performance is dipped this season. That's one of the reasons why not. Winning the games we're winning. We've conceded more goals and we'll look more likely to concede goals. And that depends that, that goes for a number of performances, not just yesterday. Um I think we've had exposed areas that we've all talked about. Could we give how some help in the January window and none was forthcoming? Um whether he likes that or not, we don't know. But certainly it's created enough of a frustration within the fan base so that when we see something like this go wrong so soon after the closing of the window, you get a reaction. Um, I think we're seeing people asking questions that have been asked for a long time and we don't seem to see answers about how's decision on substitutions, about do I have a plan B. Um, I think one of the biggest decisions he makes with regards to does Burn go in, and again, we've talked about him already, is if Joe Linton's in that midfield. Because I think Burn is in that back four 
for set pieces to cover for Shea's inadequacy alongside Botman when it comes to long balls and balls into the box. Because if you look at look at you know the stats on who clears the balls the most, it's Botman and it's it's Joe Linton. Um, so for example, if he'd started somebody after else at left fullback, knowing that they had a pacey winger in place, would it be then? Would we be conceding goals off set players and conceding headers, and who would get the blame for that? Um, so it, it, it it's it's all ifs and ands, and we just don't know. That's the frustration. Um, but it's quite right. I, I agree with anybody who says we shouldn't be conceding four goals at home to Luton. But no, we shouldn't. You, you know, we, we shouldn't. We should be seeing that game out and doing it well. However, once we got into the position of 2-4 down, I don't think there's many teams would come back from that. I don't think there's many teams would have the heart or the desire or the togetherness to do that in the Premier League at the minute. Look at Chelsea today, got bumped at home off Wolves. I've had a, a, an hour of effing and blinding on WhatsApp off Chelsea Rob. <laughs> you know how rubbish the game was. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it, it certainly, we've got to give credit for the comeback. We can still give credit for the comeback and at the same time say, it is unacceptable to concede four goals at home to Luton, three and, one Arsenal, and not being um, opposition on that opinion. You know, it, it it's just not as black and white as all that. Um, my my go to in the cold light of day to day when I take a step back and and think about the game and think about everything in context. If you told me at the start of the week four points off Villa and Luton, would you be happy? My answer would be. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would have assumed it was a point of Villa and three off Luton. Yeah. So I can't then turn around and say I'm totally unhappy with four points off Villa and Luton. What we've done is we've scored a par performance. What's frustrating is we've missed out on a fantastic opportunity to add another two points because that game was there for the taking. And what's held us back are an inadequacies that we all know are there and we've all discussed are there and that have disrupted this season for us on a number of occasions. And so that's why it then comes tumbling out. Um, I deliberately stayed away from getting involved in things last night as well because um, I was st- still sort of uh, getting pumped up about a number of things. But in the cold light of day to day when I've had a chance to sit and think about it. Um, I think we take sometimes draws feel like a loss. This is a draw that doesn't feel like a loss to me because yeah. of the way we finished the game. Kenny, nobody's happy about dropping nine points no, or three no, in the not. bottom five. But you've got to you've got to understand, look, it's it, it's the way that this season has been. You know, it's you know, injuries have played their part. Suspensions have played their part. Uh, the fact that we've had to play in the Champions League and have three games a week's played its part. And I, and I just think, you know, it, it's unrealistic sometimes to expect, you know, Newcastle to, to, to win a game I... if 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 we are not playing at the best. And yeah, we've just beaten Villa. We've just beaten Villa no. away from home. You've just took six points off Aston Villa, scored eight goals, conceded two. But I'm afraid, 
we aren't champion. We aren't going to win the Premier League at the moment because of the way we're hampered. You know, reading between the lines with what what I've seen from and heard in interviews from players and manager and other people within the within the organisation. This season, we genuinely were not prepared for Champions League football. We genuinely did not know what it would take out of us and what we would have to do to just even tread water. And I think that we're on a learning curve that is as steep as you like. And yeah, maybe that's because of overperformance the season before. But what we shouldn't be doing is uh, throwing more toys out of the cot um, uh, over, you know, small things, in my opinion. The bigger picture is where we're going with this league, uh, within the league, where we're going in development as a club and a squad. But, no, but Michael, no one's saying we can't expect that we need to I, go five goals at home to win. I mean, look, it's a freak game that happened. I've been at a lot of them. I'm sure Mitch has and Stu has. I've yes. been, I, I was at Roy Aiken's debut where we won 5-4 against Leicester. We talked about that yesterday. I was, at, I, was at, um, I was at Newcastle Villa at home where we were 3-1 down and we won 4-3. Uh, I was at Leeds when Nobby Solano got the winner against Leeds when we were down. That, that's the beauty of football. You get freak results. Um, you know, Brighton got hammered at home, but the, the, then they hammered somebody yesterday. It, it's football. It's the Premier League. And, you know, we, we haven't become, we haven't become a fan. We haven't become a fan base have we, where we expect Look, two years ago, and Stu said this before we came on air, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, we've gone from being awful with Steve Bruce standing on the sidelines, um, not even paying attention to the game um, alongside his bloody coach and staff. Um, they're not, the, the players weren't even training. And we're awful to watch. We've gone from that to getting to a cup final, to, to getting into the Champions League, to beating PSG at home. Okay, we didn't get through. Getting to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup again. Getting the fifth round of the FA Cup with a with a good draw potentially could get to the quarterfinals in the cup, and we're only a few points off getting into Europe again this season. What the hell is it to complain about? You should just enjoy a game like that. Yeah, we can be frustrated, but I just I, I if, just don't I just don't get it, lads. I don't if anybody thinks anyhow in the squad think that that result's acceptable yesterday, you're it's, not acceptable. Yeah, it's not acceptable. And we're not saying it's okay to have. Uh, happy clappy mindset. Yeah. Because there's lots of things that are wrong and need addressing. We've talked about the mad infinitum. What's happening on the pitch um, when we see things that we can't work out what's going on and, and again the whole situation is another one that we've bounced around all season. When people see he was brought in to be well left back, well we don't know that. We don't know what he was brought in for. <laughs> because the one thing Eddie Howe said almost since the time he walked through the door was, well, he can play left-back, but we don't necessarily say that is his, is his position. So what is he? Because he's not coming into the midfield, alleviate the midfield. He's he, Where is he? What is he? We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you Mitch, where, mm. where people are talking about the Newcastle United fan base, for the last few months, someone's, someone has suffered a freak injury in Harvey Barnes. A real, real freak injury. I don't think you can name one of the two footballers that received that injury that he got. And he's finished. Why did we sign? What a waste of money. How could it be a waste of money when he got injured? He comes on yesterday. 
and scores a fantastic goal. And all of a sudden, oh, we've got Harvey Barnes. It's the same people criticise them and now praising them. You can't you can't criticise someone for being injured. It's not as if he decided, oh, I'll knock me foot in for the next three or four months. Mm -hmm. The guy wants to play. He's a proven Premier League scorer. He's a proven Premier League assist. And I said this at the start of the season. I've said it consistently through. He was brought in as a plan B because they didn't get Madison. And then they changed things around to have... Bonds on the left, Gordon on the right, and Isaac up front. And we're only, I would say, two games away from that materialising. Isaac will come back and Bonds will get more match time. And as long as they stay fit, we'll fly up that league. We really will. We'll finish in Europe. But even if we don't, we'll finish comfortably in the top, top half. And yep. I would say it's probably only in the Premier League. Let's say we've been in the Premier League for 30 seasons in total. I would say at least 20 of them will have been worried about getting relegated. We don't have that worry now. We've got quality players who are coming back, going to make us better, and we're going to get better players in. But the, the strike that I, um, I put it in a message to, to Mitch yesterday, give us a second, I'll find it. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I'll just want to stick this up. I mean, look, I, and don't get it, don't get us wrong. As Mitch says, we're not, we're not saying. It's right that, but you get freak results. It is a concern the goals were conceding, and and you know that is from match of the day last night, which um I, I took a screenshot of earlier. Uh, yeah, but in the in the games in the game since Christmas, we have conceded a lot of goals and we have faced a lot of shots. And yeah, we've played Manchester City in that. I know we have played. You know, the opposition is important, but you know we have conceded a lot of goals. And when you look back at the goals we've conceded, some of them have been through staff mistakes that we have made. So I get I get your points to 100 percent But we have conceded goals and we it was only it was only Trippier who was getting it in the neck, you know, over the Christmas period. Now it's Dan Byrne getting it in the neck. But I just think that people need to look a bit further upfield. And yeah, we conceded as a team. Lewis Miley is a 17 year old guy, a 17 year old player who hasn't developed properly yet, who is playing fantastically well as the lads have said going forward. But defensively it's it's not quite there yet. Sean Longstaff, not the best uh, at times. Um, you know, you know. Sometimes, you know, like everybody, you'll have a bad game, and we are missing Joe Linton. Um, and and then you, you know, the other players in the midfield, one coming back from illness, one coming back from injury, and I, and I just think they got our number yesterday. Luton did well, you know, and just give 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 Luton credit. I did laugh at this tweet, by the way, from his dudeness. He goes, "Can you ask the lads what they think about all these fans on Twitter who have their pro coaching license but choose not to coach Premier League teams and just sit on Twitter telling the world what they do with the team?" <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, go on. How said himself, Steve, that he wouldn't be playing mainly not because he's not a good player or potentially going to be a great player. He's a young lad and he needs to be eased in. Uh, but through other reasons, which we've covered many times on here, he's got no choice but to play him. And Longstaff, as much as he's committed, and he's, he did fantastic yesterday for his two goals, but the lack of pace and sometimes awareness, it gets exposed and teams can pick up on this. This is the Premier League. This is the elite league in the world where everything's dissected. Everything's... Look to get that extra 0.5%, which makes a big difference. But what I what I said to myself, I've just found it is we want a big team. We want to be a big team, sorry. Where we have the funds to be a big team. We have the structure to be a big team. 
but because of cartel influence, would not allow us to be a big team. But UEFA and FIFA who were setting these rules and the Premier League like to promote fairness, like to promote equality in sports, but only when it suits them. So let's not blame Eddie Howe because we are hamstrung as a club. That's why we're not growing as quick as we all want to. We've grown massively, probably too quickly for the fan base, obviously, the way that some of them react. We've probably grown too quickly, but we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to grow. And I'll always be eternally grateful for Amanda Stavely keep pushing or promoting us to PIF. And she never give in because before they took over us, we were soulless. And I know you mentioned it before, but with Ashley and Bruce, it was, I think Mitch used the phrase, we were like a ghost ship just drifting. And people were going to the match as a chore rather than as a joy. And even yesterday, when people were leaving there, I'm quite sure many were shaking their heads, thinking, how did we lose that? Or what a game. But they've enjoyed a game of 90 minutes or 100 minutes as is, is now at Newcastle. But however, that gratitude that we have for Amanda Stavely and, and the PF doesn't mean some strange decisions that they've made on the outside can't be questioned. Because after all, it's our club. They're just custodians, aren't they? Because that's what was said. This is our club, so we've got every right to question why has Eddie Howe not got someone in midfield, even on short term, to help out? You can't leave a Ben in there and expect to play every single game for the rest of the season. And you're taking a risk on Willick coming back and staying fit, Anderson eventually getting back and staying fit. And as much as I know Saudi business, it's, it flies in the face of it where they're willing to take that risk because they don't do risk strategies. They do everything right and everything is predicted. And it is, this is the bit that's confused me because as much as I've done my calculations and I may be wrong, there was money to spend. So if it's part of a bigger picture, I still think that, or I hope that anyhow gets the backing because if not, he's the one that's going to be hung out the drive before anyone else. Oh, your team's done this, your team's done that. He's had the worst injury record I've seen. And unless he's on the training pitch knacking people or, you know, like putting darts in their hamstrings and stuff, he's not to blame. And it's the same players as last year. So it's it's been a freak of nature of what's happened with his injuries. And I think he's eking as much as he can out of the limited squad. And the fact that he stayed resilient. And I thought on his press conference on Friday, he looked really fresh. You look relaxed. Tyndall, you mean? Tind oh, it was Tyndall on Friday. Uh, Tyndall. So, sorry, the week before, sorry. Yeah. He, he looked he looked uh, relaxed and fresh. And I thought, you know what? He's If he's hiding it, the frustrations, he's doing a great job. He's, he's towing the party line, et cetera, et cetera. But he must be frustrated, more frustrated than any of us are, because he knows what's needed. He he knows what's, what's expected. And he's asking people to run 100 metres in 10 seconds. When he knows they can't even do 11 and they're still trying for him and that's what we have to accept he's getting the best out of a limited squad due to injuries and if, if we had everyone fit i thought the villa game was it was an example of what we're capable of and it was yes we know we can do that and look what villa did on saturday yesterday look at their repost yesterday they went and smashed five plus sheffield united which talked about freaks we did eight but not many teams have battered them like that. 
and that shows how good we can be. So we scored four yesterday. Yes, we shouldn't have. We should have won, but we didn't. But it was an enjoying, enjoyable game of football. We're going to have a week's rest going to Nottingham Forest. We're going to score to settle there. And either Wilson will be fitter or Isaac will be back or Gordon. They'll work it between them. And I think we'll go there and we'll win. And everyone, everyone's smiling again. We're too reactionary over a one result. And as Mitch quite rightly said, had we drew at Villa, that would have been seen as a great result. And then we'll be we beat Luton. So we've still got four points from the two games. Of course, we won six, but it's football. We're not going to win every game. We'll get all playing with heads and win every game and how to win it. But it's not going to happen like that. No, it definitely won't. And and, and change doesn't happen overnight. That's what people have got to remember. Um, lots of comments coming in uh, from everybody. A few uh, questions as well, uh, which we'll come to uh, after we uh, after we have the ad break. But yeah, just finishing up on, on yesterday's uh, yesterday's game, which I mean, I put that stat up about, about conceding goals. Yeah, we are conceding goals, but Stu's right to point out that, you know, we, we've played some pretty big teams in the last few weeks. So, you know, the, but stats, stats, you know, can 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 tell one story. You know, we played we played Aston Villa, we played Manchester City. You know, we played Liverpool. Um, you know, all of those games since December, and you know, I mean, we're playing some. You know, Liverpool and Man City are the two top teams in the league at the moment. Yeah, but I think it's also fair to say that last season, part of our success was defensive solidity, Correct. particularly in the first two thirds of the season. We did then go through a run where I think was it eleven or twelve games where we didn't uh, have a clean sheet, and that was when we started to wobble and we started to look over our shoulders to see how well Liverpool were doing to try and catch up. And uh, but then as we got towards the end of the season, we pulled it back together and we started to defend better again. Um, but certainly, we've set ourselves a very high bar, and we're missing my first choice keeper. And Dubravka has had some good games, but he's had some awful games. Uh, yesterday, I think he wasn't particularly good for a couple of the goals, personally. Um, but that's, again, hindsight making me a genius. And so uh, let, let's you know not be overly critical. But um, I think he, he himself will probably be sitting thinking, well, I could have done better. Um, so I think with the, the, there's... There's something in those stats, but as ever, statistics can be um, used to and, and manipulated to make any point you like. Uh, and we have played some very good teams during that time. But if that's Premier League games only and we're rating 19th and 20th and any metric in the Premier League, that's not a good sign. and shows where something needs to be addressed. And that's what the manager's paid to do. Um, and again, if anybody thinks he's happy sat there looking at a stat like that, that puts his team at 19th or 20th in any kind of stat in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you'd be happy about it either. Where would we be on goals scored in the same period? Do they not want to show that? Because as you say, you can make well, sense that's to whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. that's a good thing. That's exactly. A good thing. It's a good point. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately, that's that's you know, stats can be misleading, but they were highlighting. There was three yeah. goals conceded against Forest and four of Luton, and I, I don't think anyone can disagree. We shouldn't be doing that, no matter what eleven we put out with the squad we've got. So yes, that's bad losing 
know, conceding seven goals to those two teams. But we've still scored 16 goals against others. You know, it's it happens and we'll get better. But they, they forget the 1-0 or the 2-0 against Arsenal, the 1-0 against Man United. All this goes out the window when it suits the negatives, the negative people. We are on a upward trajectory where we're going to get better and better. And we just need to get through the next few weeks and hopefully everyone comes back and stays fit and stop panicking. It's, it's not yeah. what Castle fans are about. Yeah, I mean, somebody saying was the atmosphere flat up. Yeah, I, I thought part of the ground, it depends where you sit in the ground as to whether you think the atmosphere is flat. Where I sit towards the Gallagher, it was a good atmosphere. There was more people around us singing in the West Stand, in the Milburn Stand, than, than, than I've heard for a long time. People were getting behind the team. Um, so I, I genuinely felt the atmosphere was better yesterday than it has been the previous games. Um, but you know, again, it just depends where you, it depends where you sit in the ground. If you're watching it on TV, you're only going to pick up what the microphones pick up. And yeah, I, I genuinely thought yesterday the atmosphere was good, um, and you know, it was great. And ultimately, jumping up and down when you know when those goals went in, it was you know, it was especially coming back a comeback like that, fantastic. Like you know, it was it was just. One of those games. Well, five minutes to lay out break. Um, here we're Gordon, lad. If you're ready, how I, I did put this up as a as a poll earlier on, uh, on 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 our YouTube community page. I sometimes do that, and um, you know, we, we always get you know we don't get lots of people voting, but it gives you it gives you a little bit of a it gives you a little bit of an idea as to how people how people are thinking. So the question was, um, if you um, pick the team against Forest, who starts at left back, Dan Byrne or Tino Libramento? I didn't put Lewis Hall in there because I think it's unfair on, 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 on Lewis Hall in the sense that he's not getting a game. That's a different issue altogether. 311 of you voted. 93% said Tino. 7% said Byrne. That's just the 311 people who watch our channel who voted. Uh, you, can, you can still vote on there on the community page if you want. Stu, you're managing the team against Notts Forest. Who do you pick? Do you, do you finally drop Dan Byrne? Which which then makes him the scapegoat for recent recent goals conceded, or do you stick with him? I want to pick Kieran. What's the echo in there? Is that because yeah, well? yeah, I've just had to mute Mitch. I don't know what was going on there. He's gone off the screen. He's gone. Right, um, it, to me, Livermento has to start against Forest because. If you looked at how Forrest played against us on Boxing Day, they've got a fast wing. I think Ilanga, I think his name is. And they've got uh, Morgan Gibbs White behind them. They will certainly, especially at home, they would expose that. But, and I'll say this in, in Dan Burns' defence, and I don't want to be critical of him, not because he's from Blythe and he's a local lad or anything else. He's a 100% wholehearted player, which is what we want. But he was brought in to do a job to cover at centre back for us. And because Matt Target got injured, he ended up playing left-back. He's not a Premier League, top end of the Premier League left-back, but he's done a fantastic job for us. But for me, Livermento is the future at that position, even though that's not his natural position. And he, he's faster. And you've got to nullify the opponents before you can express your own style on them. And if they're just going to knock everything that way, it's, it's not fair on them. So... 93% of the people, in my opinion, are right. And it's, as I say, it's not being disparaging to Dan Byrne. It's about picking the team that's going to win the next game. And from the limited choice he's got, Livermento will be a far better start at left back than Dan Byrne next week. 
okay, that's what you would do. What do you think Eddie will do? I think he'll do the same. Okay. He'll be right. in a lot of games as well of late. So. All right, then, Mitch, you're 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 picking the team against Forest. Do you do you drop Dan Burn? Um, is that a taxi for him? Uh, probably. Prompt to speak. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I would I would go with Tino at left back, even though I'm not a big fan of right-footed players at left fullback. Um, always, but um, I think I I would do it because Forest have got lo a lot more pace and movement and that's what was exposed at St James's Park uh, against with. Um, so I think that's what we need at left back. Do I think Eddie Howe will do it? No, I think he'll stick with Burn. I'll tell you what else I'd do, Steve. I'd put um, Hall in left midfield because he's a left footer and it'll give a bit more balance in address Bailey. And let's Liberamento and Hall play on the left side. That's what I would do next week, but that would be my team. Obviously, there's an issue with regards to Lewis Hall. We don't know what it is. It's complicated. Eddie Howe said that on more than one occasion. Um, so maybe that's something that we'll have to wait for for another day. I guess Barnes's return to the team, though, uh, Stu, at the weekend was, was a positive one. He scored a goal as well. Um, you can see the relief in his face that he come through unscathed. Um, yeah, he's going to be a pivotal player in the, uh, in the running, I would imagine. I think he is. I touched on it earlier. He's tried and tested, and you could see he was enjoying it. He he loved his. I think it's called a cameo role now, isn't it? But he come on. He got his minutes in. Uh, he's more than likely to get a bit little, bit extra, few minutes next week, and they'll build him up gradually, just like they did when we first signed Bruno, and they, they, they blended him in over a period of time, but. It, the way with the squad that we've got remaining for the rest of the season, uh, and they all stay fit, Harvey Bonds is something that we need. And if we're going to concede the goals, we need to score them. And the guy can score with both feet, he can cross with both feet, he's got pace, he's got deception, he, he's like a Chris Waddle without the hunchback in it. And, and he, he can go down the line, he can cut inside, and he's not scared to shoot. But when he does, he's accurate. So I think Harvey Bonds can play a big role in our end-of-season performances. John, who are you going to put in? Carrius, who's not played a Premier League game since, you know, the, you know, well, it, what, two or three years? You, you've, got to, you've got to question that, really, if you're going to put, if you're going to put him in. Um, Would have got beat up whenever it wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah, Dubravka's Debra played well, but yesterday again, you know, yeah, I, I can see, you know, where people would say maybe he was susceptible to a couple of the goals, but, uh, but yeah, look, I, I, putting Carrius in, I'm not sure if that's if that's the answer. Yeah, Mitch, um, just on Barnes, you know, he's he's made a comeback, um, took his goal well. That's certainly what we bought him for. He's uh, very clinical in front of goal, under pressure yesterday as well. I have to say, it was a good finish. Um, but yeah, he's going to be he's going to be crucial, isn't he, in the in the, the second half of the season? I think so. It gives you a different option. He seems a lot more direct, and that's I suspect what uh, uh, what Eddie Howe likes about him is is the directness. Uh, took his goal superbly, and uh, really pleased to see him back and fit. And uh, let's have more of that, please. We'll take a lot of the load off Gordon as well. Yeah. Because I think people forget he played all through the summer and 
he's he's getting close to burning out. That's why he's he's to me he's playing within himself. The amount of times we know how fast he is, he's one of the fastest in the league. And he, he could knock that ball down the touchline and get after it, and not many play, people can keep up with him. But he's reluctant to do it because he feels, you can see, he, he feels himself he's not 100%. Uh, so giving him less minutes will benefit us as a team longer because yeah. he can be more impactful in the minutes he is playing. And now you've got Murphy playing and you've got Miggy there, you've got rotation, which they haven't had for about two months. So there is so many positives to come. Just because Luton manages to get four against us in a in a free game doesn't mean that the season's finished. We've got so much to look forward to. Strangely, Mitch, when I was on the flight back from uh, Dubai today, uh, we're sitting on the plane and this uh, fella sat next to us, Blackburn fan. Yeah. And I said, you know, and, uh, I says, oh, we're playing these in a couple of weeks. And he went, yeah, we're in a relegation battle. We've just been beat off QPR at home yesterday. I don't think we'll be full strength against you. I says, well, I hope not, mate. Good luck in your relegation fight. So, to me, that puts us in the quarterfinal. So, Liverpool will draw Man City in the quarterfinal. We'll get it. <laughs> We're at the semis, man. If they, it was only as easy as that. Um, positive. I know, but everyone's <laughs> be negative. Let's be positive. We're going yeah, to be black. 7,000 fans there, Steve. It'd be like a home game. Be no, it will be, yeah, but I mean it's a midweek game, unfortunately. But uh, seven thousand mags going down there, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. And uh, yeah, look, I, I've got a bit of confidence that that will that will keep everybody ticking over. Certainly, and lots of people saying any updates on Gordon and his ankle. Uh, Gordon was in the Metro Centre today, no crutches. Says he did have crutches, by the way. He didn't have it for the photo. He did have crutches. There you go. Well, okay. So there's two sides of the story. One person saying he's got crutches and one person saying he's not. I would probably go with Stewie's version of events, though. I would say he probably has. The guy who took the photo said he did have crutches, but he didn't take them for the photo. There we go then. Uh, it doesn't look good for Gordon. Um, when you leave with a boot on, uh, it never looks good. Uh, it'll be a case of how long he's out for. Uh, not, um, you know, we'll see him next week. So yeah, not not good. I'm sure we'll get an update from uh, Eddie Howe in due course. Okay, halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins. Telephone 0800 2545 253. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks again to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. If you'd like to order some, then give them a call on 01768 210102. Go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk, or drop them an email, info at mrvickies.co.uk. A big thanks to United Group Travel. They're a family firm based in Morpeth with pickups throughout the Northeast. No strangers on our tours, just people you haven't met yet. They've got a presence on Facebook and a website, unitedgrouptravel.com. If you want to make a booking, give them a call on 01670-632-460 or mobiles 0791-666-4174-0795-714-41654. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, independent funeral directors. Let us look after you in your time of need. They're based on Old Durham Road in Gateshead. And you can contact them at their website, darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Or give them a call, 0191 478 
2730. A big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things. And a big thanks to New Workwear. You can find them at newworkwear.com. If you want to help the channel, hit the thumb up to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, and share to your other social media. You can also pay a one off fee of £25 to get a scarf, a cup, a pen, and a membership card. Go to the website, nufcmatters.com, and click membership, or put your smartphone over this QR code. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make some donations virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. We're also a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast providers. Just search NUFC Matters. I'm also a part of the Northeast Footy Brecky Show. You can listen to that Monday to Friday, 7 or 9, at the tune. UK.com. All right, welcome back to uh, NUFC Matters. It is the professionals. Uh, every now and then we have one of these. It's really just to check your speakers are working on your TV or uh, you've got decent headphones. Uh, that's where we'll have that kind of music. Uh, but it is my first two-match. Minnesota Mag, thanks for this. My first game was Boxing Day 1986. It was cold, it was dank, it was miserable. West End Paddock, dad, uncle and cousin, and a one-hour drive to Toon, parked on Barrack Road. Hey, mister, I'll watch your car. Don't pay at your peril. I was hooked. Uh, but there we go. Uh, thanks for sharing that memory. And if you've got your first game... Uh, send us it on Twitter or stick it on our Facebook group or page. Uh, make sure you make it a little bit in-depth just so we can remember it. Maybe there's a picture of it um, or, or whatever. Stick it in and we will feature it on the show. Okay, uh, I did say I wanted to talk about espionage uh, just for uh, five minutes on the show. And uh, that comes uh, after the uh, Daily Mail and the Telegraph uh, ran stories over the weekend about a, a, a case uh, regarding one of our football uh, supporters, uh, Lindsay Smith, um, who was a supporter of Newcastle United, of course. Uh, it turned out that a special unit was set, set up to root out racism in football. And it was used to troll through social media comments about transgender issues that were made by Lindsay Smith, uh, despite them having nothing to do with football. Uh, now, this has caused quite a to-do on our social media platforms, uh, X in particular, uh, with lots of people having their say. Um, because it's in the news and because it's in Castle United and because, you know, I was happy to tweet about it and um, I shared a couple of things over the course of the weekend, um, I think it's only right that we talk about it. I, my, my line on this is very simple. Um, I think this sets a worrying trend. And when you look into the case, and I know Stu hasn't really had time to look into it with him being away crossing um, uh, Dubai, so he's not going to say too much on it, I, I don't think. Um, I just think it's, it's concerning, to say the least, because this could be any of us. Um, most people on this platform, um, on, on YouTube, who watch our show, probably have social media in some way, shape or form. And to think that you may say something um, which could be taken out of context, which then may lead to you potentially being banned from a football ground, potentially St. James's Park, 
I would say is a little bit concerning. But what I'll do is I'm going to stick the link to this uh, particular story in the Daily Mail, uh, which is probably the one that you can access, not because I'm showing preference to one paper or another. There you go. Um, if I can stick it in there. If not, it's probably going to have to go on my Twitter, uh, Twitter feed. But, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a long quite a long link so what i'll do is i'll try and find the telegraph one you might have to go through a paywall to what uh, to read that one but yeah look mitch i'll start with you because i know you've read up on this um and, and you knew a little bit about it am i right in saying it does set a worrying trend and, and it's not just newcastle in particular let's get this right the premier league are you know you know have have used this method shall we say and you know it was it was cooperation between Newcastle and the Premier League, I guess. You know, for information on this particular supporter that she seems to have complained about. But it's it's inter it's an interesting case and one which I'm, I'm you know I'll, I'll be slightly concerned about. I watch it with interest, and I'll try and explain my take on it. I will, what I would ask everybody to do is suspend your interest in certain things. Um, Lindsay, by our own admission, is un unapologetically her. Uh, I think it's fair to say she's Marmite. Um, and I think it's fair to say um, people are knee-jerk reacting to characters and people in this situation rather than the actual fundamentals of it, which I think should interest everyone. It's not helped by the fact that the two biggest supporters so far seem to be Toby Young and David Ike. And I have to say, if I was going into war and I looked around and they were carrying my banner, I would be a little concerned. <laughs> um, and then I would also ask people to think Daily Mail and Telegraph, uh, two newspapers who have a, uh, a history of uh, having a go into Newcastle United because of our Saudi ownership. And because this involves comments made within the LBGQT plus community, um, doesn't that a nice little stick to stir the pot with, with Saudi owners? Um, so there's a, you've got to think about the people jumping in and, and chucking their two penny thin. Uh, what is their personal agenda in this? And what are they looking to get out of this? However, these were, were comments made um, away from the football group. <clears throat> not in relation to Newcastle United and not specifically involving Newcastle United. So my first question is, who has the power and the drive to get Newcastle United even vaguely interested in that? And who has the power and who makes those decisions within the halls of the club that it's something that they should take of interest then you move to the next level about the Premier League having an organisation a shadow organisation that can put dossiers and build dossiers upon people and if what's written is to be believed even down to knowing where somebody goes and walks that dog that's um, very Orwellian uh, makes me wonder what bloody kind of documents they've got on me. Makes certain recent decisions from the club <laughs> makes me makes me question certain things. Christ, I'd read them. Um, <laughs> Best <of us. laughs> 
Have they got pictures? Have they got pictures? You don't want pictures. <laughs> 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 Looks like a dirty protest. Uh, anyway, um, so, you know, it, it, it that concerns me that the Premier League has a, an ability and how have they funded that and who have they used? Um, what position does this put the Football Supporters Association in? Who technically are effectively funded by the Premier League, but they're the people who should be coming to us as supporters and saying this is the kind of thing we we should be railing against. Um, and I think the fundamental issue that concerns me is this genuinely could have been anybody. If somebody made it their business to go after you um, and report that to the club and the club deem, for whatever reason, with whoever's agenda and with whoever pulling the strings thereon. And I think that that's one of the biggest concerns I have within um, the decision-making process, shall we say. Um, that, you know, that could be anybody particularly the way, and we've we've all seen this done to us personally, um, where people take a clip or a snippet of something and make it look like something that it isn't. And if the, and, and it seems to me that a decision's been made and heels are being dug in, and I don't understand a, a lot of the whys and wherefores of that. Like I say, it is very difficult to remove certain emotive parts from this, whether you like Lindsay or not, whether you think this is an issue that should have been just sorted out within the LBGQT plus community and not within, within Castle United or not, whether you think that those comments warrant her being banned from the ground or not. Um, I think there's something much bigger and much more sinister underlying all of this that we all should take interest in. And yeah, it's very heavy. I'd rather just enjoy football and, and talk shite on social media myself like I do. Um, but if me talking shite on social media is gonna end up with me being banned from Newcastle United, hmm. um, then I, I would be concerned about that. Yeah, that's the big issue for me, Stu, that you can say something on your social media which has nothing to do with Newcastle United and somebody could complain about it and the next thing you know, you've got a three-year three, three year ban, which is what she's got. Right, well, my take on it is probably, in an attempt to be less political, probably be more controversial, is I think draconian measures have been taken um, it's a bit like George Orwell, George Orwell's 1984 book, Big Brother's Watching You. It's like an espionage film, isn't it? When people are following you and taking photos and trying to, it's, it's not right. But when, uh, what I agree with Mitch is when you see Toby Young attached to it, the one word that screams out is sensationalism. I'm glad I was able to say that. Uh, when you see David Icke piping up, then it loses credibility. But where does it stop? Now, legally, what Lindsay said is actually correct. Our own Prime Minister said the same thing. So is he not allowed to come to Newcastle games now? Uh, where do you draw the line? Who decides who's right and who's wrong? And who's influencing this? And 
we've had from the last five five years since the link with Saudis with us, we've had all the human rights people attacking us and 90 plus percent of our fan base have stood together and, and hit back against criticism without knowing too much about it. But one of the ones, one of the main things that's been said or has been levied against Saudi Arabia, not against the PIF, because that's the, that's the business vehicle, but against the, the PIF is Saudi are doing wrong, shall we say, just to keep things simple, because it's easier for me to follow, doing wrong in Yemen. Now this is now becomes, we're talking about football, you know, but now we're talking about what's happening in Yemen, but now the UK and US are bombing people in Yemen. So the Saudis are out the way. Where does it stop? What's it going to do with football? Where football supporters want to go to the match when we can, want to enjoy a game of football. And for as long as I've lived, the, one of the same sentences have been said, football strokes, sports and politics should never be mixed. And there's too many do-gooders trying to do right to suit their own needs. And I, I just don't get it. Um, Lindsay, whether people like her, whether they don't like her, she said something that is within the law. Doesn't matter if Stuart Penman agrees with it or Steve Wraith agrees with it or Dr. Neil Mitchell agrees with it. It makes no difference. She didn't say that at the ground. She didn't say something to someone's face to offend them. <clears throat> so if I turn around and say... Hey, Steve, you could say something to me. We could have a joke because we're friends. I could say, oh, you're a bit of a dick, you. Then could that offend someone? And then I can't go to the match anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, who's getting the say? Who is dictating who decides who goes to a match or not? The, as far as I'm concerned, you go to a Newcastle game, if you misbehave in the ground, then expect to be punished. But it doesn't make sense. And it's it's becoming too much. Where I think ultimately the silent majority will have the, have their say, because mm. football is about being enjoyable. And, and why are we again as a fan base being dragged into transgender conversations? What the hell has that got to do with? Should we play Wilson or Isaac up front if they're both fit? Yeah, because that's what the most majority of the Castle fans are interested in. So yeah. I don't understand why, I really don't understand. You know, I don't like doing the politics and get involved with it, but I always give an honest answer to a question. The lassie said what she said, and she shouldn't be punished for three years ban because it offended someone who wasn't even said to, because someone has a bit more influence within the club. It's wrong and it's scary. And... It opens another can of worms. As I was speaking to the heat today, he actually called us as the taxi back from the airport. Uh, he was at the game yesterday. He managed to get another ticket for his dad, but he couldn't sit next to him. And then the question about the atmospheres, if you can't sit next to your pals, we've said this before, I'd rather go down this road than the political road because I'll end up with flag waivers, uh, shouting lists and stuff. But the, if you can't sit next to the people who you want to sit next to, you're not comfortable with, you can't get the atmosphere. But if you're on the ground and you say to your mate who is sitting next to you, oh, that was a terrible pass, but with a bit more colourful language, and someone gets offended from it, does that mean you lose your season ticket? 
Mm. Who is the Titan who? Or what is offensive and what isn't? And if the law of the land says that sentence isn't isn't legally offensive or factually is it's factually correct, though I still don't understand why she's getting a three-year ban. And what I'll never understand is why are the people following her walking a dog, taking photos of her house where she works and all that. It's like a proper MF, MF, it's like a spy movie, isn't it? It is like an espionage film. It's why we're discussing it on the professionals, Stu. Well, yeah, I'm not exactly. Sure it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a go. Look, I, I saw, saw somebody the day on a defending the club's banning for three years, saying that Newcastle United have an, uh, an obligation to make everybody feel safe in a football ground. And I still personally don't see what in her comments would make somebody feel unsafe in a football ground. I've had darts thrown at me in a football ground. That's Ooh. how you feel unsafe <laughs> in a football ground. It's, um, it, we need to be sort of, I think, hitting the reset button a little bit on some of these things about what and who doesn't doesn't feel safe in a football ground. Um, football grounds at the moment, by my measure, from some of the grounds I've been in, are quite sterile places. There's not enough going on in there. Um, and so it, it, I find it very frustrating. Um, and this, this case in particular, because of the layers of Saudi involvement and ownership of the club, because the people coming at it at the moment, knee-jerk, and all seem to be doing so with a personal agenda in mind. It muddies the waters. It makes people who might stop and think not stop and think and just react. Because, like, for example, oh, well, if Toby Young's buying this, don't want anything to do with that. I get that. Totally get that. Um, but I do think there are things we should be thinking through um, and should be able to have an adult conversation about that are worth discussing and that are concerning. Mitch, let's mm. just say for the sake of playing devil advocate, right? I'm gay. And then I say, I think Eddie Howe is a rubbish manager. He should be sacked. He's an idiot. He's useless for this club. Is that not offensive? But my sexuality shouldn't even come into it. So if we're talking about Newcastle United, we're talking about Newcastle United. What's more offensive to Newcastle United? Someone saying a man... Sorry, a woman with a penis is is a man, or someone saying the manager's useless and shouldn't have his job. What should be more offensive to Newcastle United? Because they're not a political branch, branch, they're a football club. And they've got to stop trying to appease minorities because it's not it's the majority that are getting annoyed. And people are scared to speak and open their mouth and say things and we'll go it's it. Well, not now because I don't live there. But when I did, it was a it was a release from a week of work. It was your ninety minutes of venting off your anger, and mm. I've been there in in times when racism was rife. Doesn't make it right, and mm -hmm. I've seen homophobia rife. Doesn't make it right. But as a country, we're learning, and we're being educated, and we're improving at a rapid rate, just like Saudi Arabia and other things as well. By the way. I don't want to drag this on. I think exactly. we've all made. I think we've all made my yeah. point. And Maka, Maka said, "Who's to say she didn't say more offensive things online?" Maka, we're not. Doesn't just, that that doesn't matter because that's not the case. 
And Blue Rhythm Boy, I will answer your question before I move on. Do you worry your involvement with the channel affects your relationship with the club, Steve? No, I don't. I've, I've worked for the club. I hated it. I would never work for Newcastle United again. They could offer me £2 million to go and work at Newcastle. I would never work for them again because I'm a fan. I'm a supporter. And me personally, um, I've, I've taken pay from Newcastle, but it means I can't say what I want to say. And I am emotionally attached to the club a lot more than anybody you know anybody else who who works at the club because I, I, I just because I've always got to have me say I'll never change it's in me that's why I bleed black and white and at the end of the day if I work for the club I can't speak out against the club and they need to have a critical friend I'm not saying speak out to them and, and criticize them for everything what I'm saying is be that critical friend and that's why this platform in particular is so important for the people who watch this program the demographic on here has to be 18 and over because I make sure that the videos, we, kids can't watch this platform. Um, it's adults only. And this really is why people say, well, you can't understand why you don't get, you know, why you haven't got 100,000 subscribers. We, you know, we, we don't, we limit our audience. We probably could have double the amount of subscribers, but I don't leave it open to kids because I, I like to have a mature conversation on here, but we, we attract a certain demographic. The programs that, None of us plan, by the way. All of these are just spontaneous. We'll come on and say what we feel. Um, but ultimately, that's why this channel is so different to all the other Newcastle United content out there, uh, because we speak our mind. But no, I don't worry about my relationship with the club in the slightest. I've got no relationship with the club whatsoever. Do I have Amanda and Mia Dad and Jamie's number? Yes, I do. Do I have to be in touch with them day after day or week after week or month after month? No. I had their numbers because of the takeover. It's as simple as that. Um, every now and then, I might drop the text in. I might send them a message. Um, do I get a response? Occasionally. Um, do I ask them for any favours? Do I ask them for tickets? No, I've got no need to do that because I've got a season ticket. I, I go to the games with my family. I go to the away games under my own steam when I can, uh, when, when work allows it. Um, I'm a fan and it's as simple as that. I don't want to be sitting in the corporate section I don't want to be working for the club. I don't want a job at the at the um, at, at, at anything to do with the club. The new seller stack. I'd hate to work there. I prefer to do my own stuff. I like to be my own boss, and that's that's where I've always been. And I've gone fifty years, fifty odd years now. Um, and and the one time that I did work for somebody, Newcastle United, I just didn't like it. Um, never, never again, never again. So that answers your question. Bit of a long-winded. Thing, which I probably would have answered on a Q&A, which I'll be doing again soon. But yeah, thanks for the question. Okay, let's let's move on. We've got about 15 minutes left. I've got a quick question from T-Tank. Sorry for this, Mitch, but what do you think of the new NFL Pro Bowl? Uh, it's like any time you get any equipment change or any... Um, sorry, it, it, I'm presuming Pro Bowl. It, it is shit. Um, it's turned into a bit of a circus. Uh, but that's what happens when you have highly paid players taken out of their teams with running the risk of an injury. Then who pays for that and who covers that? Um, and so the Pro Bowl now has become a little bit of a sideshow, quite literally. There's four asterisks after the S. I think what t Tank has... No, it's super for me. Ah, could be that. It's just not good. <laughs> and uh, by the way, if we've talked about American football, who sent you a Christmas, Mitch, that Kansas would get in the final? That's you did. Yes, thank you very much. 
for more tips for me. Three one next week. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, okay, uh, where are we going next? We did have another couple of questions. Um, blah, 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 blah. Ah, Barry Hogan, yeah. Uh, what do you expect from the FFP meeting, uh, Stu? I expect that they'll tinker with the rules, something we've been quite consistent on, uh, and look like they're trying to appease people. And then they'll say they'd like to do more, but they can't because of the UEFA rulings. And they might lean it to, more towards money generated, which means we could get new sponsorship in, et cetera, et cetera. It'll still favour the ones who are making the most money. And it just gets back to the same thing. You buy a business, how can't you? If you buy a business, how we, if you can afford to, how are you not allowed to spend money to improve your own business? Because other people don't want you to match them. But that's another political thing I don't want to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be tweaked. It will help us. They might help us by 50 million a year, but it'll help the favoured six by 100 million a year. And that's the difference. The, the chasm will still be there. And we have to just be smarter and better or just bring in more sponsorships. And on that note, Arsenal brought in a sponsorship just today of their training ground from a real estate company in Dubai. So this is something I can't talk about because it's my profession. And the real estate company, I won't mention them for legal rights against myself and the channel. Most importantly, myself <laughs> is that the anyway. In fact, let's not say what I was going to say, but they're getting sponsored by they're taking money out of the United Arab Emirates anyway. But it's okay for Arsenal to do that, but it's not okay for Newcastle to do that. And and this is the the double-edged sword, isn't it? It's like we can, but you can't because your owners are this. So what if? As an example, uh, a UAE-based company decided to sponsor Newcastle's trading ground. Now, this is the, I'm thinking of the same company that we discussed maybe 18 months ago that was going to be our shirt sponsor. And let's just say we had that, and it was the same money as Arsenal. Who decides, and how do you decide on how much a trading ground sponsorship's worth, unless you want to favour certain clubs? Now, the Premier League is 20 clubs, all equal shares. They're all 5% shares. So why should one 5% be allowed 50 million and another 5% five percent shares only allowed 10 million? That's the bit that doesn't make sense. But again, that's another can of worms. So I think we've been holding our, keeping our powder dry. And, and I, I think eventually, for want of a better phrase, We'll eventually go at the top end, fuck it. Yes, some sponsors if we there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that. Contest it if you want, and we'll take you to court. And the Premier League will legally ship bricks. We'll prove that in the takeover case. And, and I think it's it's gearing up to that. You can't stop people wanting to get better. And you shouldn't. So they might be able to come up with we'll hold you up. You will give you money. I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks back. You've got to put like I used the, the I think I used the phrase escrow account, where you put money in to cover for the next two or three years in case you decide to to wander. But we can do that. But they're going to have have to eventually relent and let Newcastle through the door, and then the, let them scrap amongst themselves. 
because it'll get challenged eventually. So getting back to the original question, there will be tweaks, but I don't think it'll favour us as, as, as much as we'd like it to. But they'll look and look like the donors a favour. But it'll help the, the bigger ones more because at the moment they generate more money, but they're not allowing us to generate the extra money. Okay, Mitch. I think one of the biggest statements to the Premier League about how FFP isn't working in the current form is the lack of sales in the January window. Um, it wasn't just us not spending money. There was lots of people not spending money. One wonders if Klopp's decision to go at the end of the season is based on he's being told, well, he has your projected transfer budget for next season. And he's thought, well, fuck that. I'm off. Um, just makes you wonder. So, and, and if you want an example of how desperate people were becoming in the transfer window, Chelsea and Broya, the sale uh, was was the prime example. It started, they wanted 80 million for him, then it was 50 million. Then it was a loan with an obligation and then it became a loan with no obligation and eventually he went out on a loan with no obligation and the more you play him, the less you will pay. Um, so that shows how desperate they were. You know, and, and so um, I think any change that they make will help us in some way, but I can guarantee you it'll help six other teams even more. Yeah, because it will help the brand rich, won't it? Because yeah. if people can't spend money, how could they advertise it globally as the best league in the world? Well, Absolutely. we're calling for high players. Absolutely. And I'd yeah. love to think that the rest of the league were in cahoots for us and say, right, we well, don't spend much this this this, this window. But mm. they're now at a stage where they're all hammered by it. Chelsea, as we know, Man United, uh, definitely, as, as we know. Um, Man City have, have got their own worries about it. They're all at the, at the limit or as close to the limit as they can be. And if that means they can't spend and the summer becomes a situation where people are scared to spend, the Premier League's not the attractive league, is it? And mm -hmm. they have to change the rules to allow them to do it. But are they going to listen to 20 teams or are they going to listen to six teams? And that's the big question for the meeting this month. Uh, good point by Kendo. He says, I find Sunderland defensive. They must be banned for three years. I, I mean, I, I had he considered, is. I had considered tro trolling through like uh, Holland's, uh, you know, any any top player, you know, Holland, Foden, going through the social media and seeing if there's anything offensive and doing the same. Yeah, it's a good, good, good idea that Kendo. Um, people as well. Uh, Paul Charlton says, um, are you getting David Ike on the channel there uh, next uh, next week? Well, I've just stuck the link in the chat there. I did do an interview with David Ike over uh, lockdown. And you'd be interested with that because he only manages to squeeze in right at the very end that he thought the Queen, God bless her, was an alien. Um, clearly she wasn't. Uh, but he managed to, to I managed to keep him on sport and football. Um, a little known fact, he was Hereford's reserve goalkeeper uh, when Newcastle got knocked out of the cup against Hereford in the 70s. Uh, invasion of the Parkers and all that. David Ike was the Hereford subkeeper. Didn't wasn't on the bench then, it was only one sub allowed. He actually sat in the stand. And he also commentated on Kevin Keegan's debut in uh, 1982 against uh, Queen's Park Rangers when he scored the winning goal. Uh, so that interview with David Icke is on my channel. I've stuck the link in the chat. Well worth a watch. And uh, yeah, I did enjoy doing that and keeping him on the straight and narrow. Looking back over his wonderful sport commentary uh, career before he went a little bit um, strange, shall we say. 
Uh, I am, am I allowed hey, to strange? That was an alien. Who? Ding. He sang a song about it, didn't he? He did. Uh, <laughs> um, do you think Qual and Minty will be loaned out next season, says John? I think Minty will stay. Um, what, do, what do you think, lads? I think Minty may be part of the first team setup. you know. Yeah, he's off an age where he won't count as part of the 25 anyway. Um, and I think Qual's been bought to be sold at a higher price. But it was like, let's see how you go. And, but the, the way they've both performed over the last year, Mint has proved his worth. Now, the fact that he's never been in with us, I think, well, what, we're signing for 7 million? I think they could get 20 million for him now. So he, he'll either be brought in at the squad because he's, he's going to get game time, or they'll sell him and use that 20 million and turn it into 80 million. Okay, what do you think, uh, Mitch? Um, Minty, I think, will be brought into the fold. Kual, I think he's he's it's Volendam he's at at the moment, isn't it? And uh, I don't think he's pulling up trees yeah. there necessarily. Um, so, but I mean, we touched on this the other night about you know who, who's arranging the loans and who's ensuring they're going to the right place for the right development. Um, Kual came with uh, a lot of positive reports from this part of the world because you've got to remember that Australia part of the Asian football conference now and so it was a name that was bandied around here even that uh, some of the Saudi clubs and the UAE clubs were interested in him uh, 50 so, yeah. hmm? he's 50 million pound player right. so um, <laughs> I'd love to see his development continue for me would he have been a bad option to have sitting around given my striker problems this season uh, I know it's a lot the lump on an 18-year-old shoulders, but uh, surely he would have been worth a punt, unless Eddie really just doesn't fancy him. Mm, be interesting to see what happens with him, certainly. Uh, are we going to spend big in the summer? There's a a million pound question. I hope it's more than a million pounds, Stu. But do you think we'll big? Do you think we'll spend big? I know it's a question we've been asked before, but not everyone tunes into every show. I think it'll depend on what happens with this meeting, but I think. The reins will be loosened slightly, and with the Champions League money, the seller money, the dealers money will kick in within the same financial year, and more sponsorships. I'm going to put my neck out and say we'll spend quarter of a billion pound, and that will finish in Champions League next season. I honestly think that the, everything's been geared up. It's the only logical explanation for why Eddie Howe wasn't helped out in this window and it's part of a long game and once things get removed or sorry let's let's go back if things stay as they are not many clubs can spend but not many clubs have got the potential to bring new sponsorship in we have and that will give us a head start and when people are desperate for money a 60 million pound player will then go for 40 because no one else can afford the 60. And and I think that's the game they tried to play. Um, and I see Nashua's name there. Maybe he didn't spend because he was keeping his dossier tight for Man United. Who knows? But yeah, I, I believe the club will go big. And I'll, I'll stick my deck out and I'll say we'll spend 250 million. And we'll get blasted for it. But Chelsea can spend double that and no problem. 250 million? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, Mitch. 
I think uh, because of the amount of players we've got coming out, out of contract, I suspect the focus has been put on the summer is almost like a mini reboot of the squad. Exactly. And I, and I would say some predictable outs, maybe a couple of unpredictable outs, but if that's the case, the squad then has to be restocked and rebalanced. Um, and with that in mind, in current market prices, that's not going to happen cheaply. And it could need a figure of the size of that she was talking about just to allow that churn of players in the summer to happen. But then overall, end at the, at the start of the season with a um, dramatically improved squad depth. Because that's what really what we're missing. Yeah. We've got 13, 14, you know, what you'd think of as top-end players, no problem at all. We need more like 20. And mm -hmm. so I think we'll see a lot of player churn. But with that, then there's got to be a lot of spending. Mm. Okay. Even, even with the quarter billion, Steve, they'll still, they could still sell and get like 50 to 100 million in. If you if you knew people who were willing to spend money and had a league that were looking to attract new players, because that's the route I think the owners will go down. You want to keep stopping us? I'll stop you with this ball. I'll stop with this ball. Okay, this is legal. We're going to do it now. We've played by the rules. We've been squeaky clean, right? And that's when sentiment uh, sentimentality goes out the window. You want to go, and if you're a footballer, let's use Isaac Hayden for example, and someone. Doesn't matter. You didn't have to say his name, but if someone's going to offer to treble your wages from fifty grand or even quadruple your wages to two hundred grand a week, you'll go there for a couple of years. Unless your name's Jordan Henderson, you'll go there for a couple of years, and that will help us. It'll get it'll get the wage bill down. But some of these players, uh, there's a there's a guy I mentioned last week, plays at Watford, Jamal Lewis, Northern Ireland international. And he's never been mentioned. He must be able to command a fee. There's so many people that can command a fee who could easily raise at least 30 million from the periphery of the squad without having to sell one of the big, big, big stars. Because I, I, I genuinely believe they won't go down that route because that'll give off the wrong image. And knowing Syria as I do, I, I can't see them selling a Bruno, an Isaac, a Botman, unless they say, I want to leave. And every image that we see on social media, through the club, through their own speech, through their own Twitter accounts, through their own videos, they're all they've all bought into what we're trying to achieve here as a club. And and I think they're they're happy if we miss Europe and go big and they'll be on the condition is if we don't do well next year, you let me leave for personal reasons. But I think every one of those are bought in for the next eighteen months. Okay, interesting show tonight, as always, plenty of debate. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, tuned in, over 450 watching. We'll never take that for granted, so thanks very much for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, with the Fans Forum. But for now, it's thanks to Mitch, thanks to Stu. Take care, guys. We will see you as uh, the next time. Take care, lads. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, everyone.